Hello listeners, and you're about to listen to episode 45 of the Eurotrip Football Podcast. Um, this week we, you know, we attempt to bring you something different than normal. It's a um, slight twist on the usual uh, week we have with some international talk, and it's all about the World Cup. So um, let's, let's go to the podcast and hope you enjoy. Hello and welcome to the Eurotrips podcast. We are back for another week, but with a twist. I'm your host, Andy, and I am this week joined as ever by my regulars, Naeem, Ryan and Jonathan. How are you, boys? Doing good. Yeah, not bad, thank you, mate. Yeah, I'm all good here. That's good stuff. Now, I mentioned a twist. Now, the twist is, obviously, as per normal, our usual podcasts are reviewing the domestic action or the Champions League, etc. But this week, as you will know, there's been none of that. It's been internationals. And as per the theme of the internationals, this week we've gone for a another one of our top 10 podcasts. And of course, this week with the, some of the World Cup qualifiers, we've seen teams like Portugal, um, Senegal, uh, many teams qualify now for the World Cup. And as a tribute to the World Cup that's coming up in Qatar in December, which still sounds weird to me, we're going to give you a combined top 10 best games in World Cup history. Now, this could be a group stage, could be a knockout. We've all compiled our top 10 each for um, what we think is ourselves, our top 10 best games in World Cup history. And we will try to come with some sort of combined top 10. And we will also give you guys a chance, the listeners, to um, give to give your best 10 as well. And so we'll try and do a listener's top 10. Um and so what we'll do, we'll sort of give us all 10th and 9th um, game first. And after that, we'll then go each one, one by one. And we will sort of alternate each person each time. So we'll start off with myself, with my number 10. Now, this game, I think, would have been a lot higher if the team that won this game went far in the tournament. I mean, I know they did got to the semi-final, but they didn't quite make it all the way. Um, so I've gone for a group stage game in 2014, one that saw the end of the dominance of Spain. It was the Holland's 5-1 win against Spain in 2014 in the group stage. Now, Spain won the previously to this tournament. They had won the three last major tournaments. They won Euro 2008, they won the 2010 World Cup and the 2012 Euros. And they came into this tournament with a lot of hype. People assumed and thought they'd be once again the contenders. But this game did sort of signal the end of an era. It really did, because since then, I think they lost... Their next game, I think they got knocked out in the group stage. So, um, yeah, this game for me, I think it was a good start for Spain. They got a goal early on for Xabi Alonso through a penalty. But that was as good as they got for them because um, both Robin van Persie and Iron Robin both scored twice. And a goal from Stefan Steven de Vrij in amongst these goals. Uh, and, of course, this game is also quite memorable because the Van Persie flying header is seen as one of the more memorable goals of recent uh, World Cup history. Um, so yeah, that's the reason why, obviously, if Holland won the tournament, I think maybe this game would have been a lot higher. Uh, but I do think for this reason that, obviously, they didn't win it. Maybe that's why they're lower down. And also, yeah, that, that's mainly it. Um, and then number nine for me, uh, I've gone for a game four years before that, the Holland-Spain game. Uh, it was a quarterfinal. Uh, between Uruguay and Ghana. Now, this game is probably most famous for all the wrong reasons, but there's a lot of significance to it. Both Diego Forlan and Sonny Montari scored in normal time, and then you know what happened next. Um, if you aren't aware, uh, this was a game where the whole world knew about Luis Suarez. Um, it was the first ever World Cup held in Africa, and um, in the 120th minute, 
the guard, the Ghana team got a penalty free. Luis Suarez handball off the line. It was Asamoah Jan who had the shot, I believe, and here's the one who had his had his shot uh, handled from Suarez. Uh, this is a chance for them to become the first ever African team to make a semi-final at a World Cup. Asamoah Jones steps up and hits a crossbar. And, as, and after the game, you can see the scenes of Luis Suarez celebrating off the pitch. Uh, and Uruguay did, in fact, go on to win the shootout. Um, again, this could have been higher if Uruguay had won it, but um, the whole thing. But I think for me, this this has this, this is my top 10 because I feel that this game is so iconic in terms of everyone remembers the handball from Luis Suarez. Everyone remembers Asamoah Jan for, for, that, for that penalty miss. Obviously, for Thomas Sunderland and his bad rapping. Um, but he... Yeah, I think just for overall, just the drama. I think for me, I don't think this is one of the. This is a great World Cup. I think it's probably one of the worst we've had in the last twenty years. But I think this was definitely one of the more memorable moments of this tournament. Um, you know, and everyone remembers this for just the pure, um, part of my French, the pure shithousery from Luis Suarez, and it really was a real, real shock moment. Um, and there was other ones coming up later on in this list, but I think this one has to make the top ten for that reason. Um, that is my 10th and 9th on my list. Um, we'll go to Nae next. Uh, we'll start with your 10th and then go to your 9th game on your list. So, yeah, the, uh, the way I've done my top 10 list is matches that I can remember watching, ones that I've obviously watched as well, and ones in the past that I've actually done research on myself. So, obviously, there's going to be a lot of games that I've missed out, but obviously, this is my personal top 10. So, at number 10 is a game from the 2018 World Cup. It's a group stage game, which saw South Korea beat Germany 2-0. Mm. It's a game where um, quite a lot of people remember. Um, Germany didn't get off to the best starts in that um, tournament, obviously, after previously winning the 2014 World Cup in Brazil. But all they had to do was win and hope the, the other group stage game... Um, between Mexico and Sweden ended in a draw, but obviously Sweden beat Mexico 3-0, which obviously saw them go f- go through in the in the tournament. Um, Germany, you know, they conceded two late goals uh, to South Korea, one in the 92nd minute to Yangguan Kim, and then Human Sonny rounded off the score in the 96th minute after Manuel Neuer, who was obviously you know he likes to play play up high, was kind of in the right back position, got caught out and then one long ball up to Son and then he just slotted at home. So, yeah, kind of just like, it was kind of a more more shocking than anything because obviously Germany did have more of the better chances but they just couldn't get the ball in the net. And yeah, South Korea, although they didn't uh, get through to the knockout rounds, you know, they they beat the beat the, the previous tournament's winners and yeah, it was, it was a shock and it, it goes in a trend where obviously the World Cup winners tend, tend to do poorly. Uh, in the next tournament so yeah that, that's my number 10 pick my number nine pick is another game from the 2018 world cup this time is a round of 16 tie uh, between belgium and japan mm. uh, people obviously may remember japan they they went two nil up in the, early in the second half uh thanks to goals from um i can't even pronounce his name haraguchi and inwi with a with a wonder shot from outside the box beating Courtois, but obviously Belgium they were the better team. They had they had the better chances, and the comeback came from Vatonga with a looping header. Fellaini got another header from a Hazard cross, and Nasir Chadli he rounded off the scoring in the ninety fourth minute after a quick counter attack from a South Korea sorry not South Korea a, a Japan corner. 
Courtois rolled it out to De Bruyne. He pretty much ran the whole length of the field. Slotted it out to Mounier, who uh, crossed it in into the box. And obviously Nasser Chadley uh, made the comeback. So with Japan being in the round of 16, they were the only Asian team left. Uh, you know, there was 2-0 up going into the 68th minute. But with, with the sort of attacking threat Belgium have, they was always going to, you know, create chances and... They obviously got their three goals. And the funny thing is, uh, all three of Belgium's goal scorers all used to play in the Premier League. So, yeah, that's my ninth pick because um, it was a good comeback from Belgium. And, yeah, it was just a great game. Yeah, it's actually interesting you mentioned this game because this was actually one I re- I was very close to putting in. It was one where it was originally my top 10 and then something mm. else came to my memory that had to mean that this one left out. Um, I remember when doing my research about obviously games, this is actually this game was the first time since Mexico nineteen seventy when Germany beat England three two in the quarterfinals that any side has come from two goals down to win a World Cup knockout match. So oh. um I think as well this game is similar theme to what I was saying before about the fact that I think, you know, if Belgium had got to the final and won it, I think this game would, would have been so crucial towards that mm. that run. And I think that that Belgian team, I think now I do feel that their time is up. I think they have probably missed the boat. I can't see, you know, their golden generation had people like Tongan, Alderweireld, company. I mean, company's already retired. Vertonghen, Alderweireld are both over the hill in terms of their careers. Yep. You know, um, Carrasco, I don't know how he's doing second time round, but I know he went to China and all that. Um, Lukaku, I've been a massive doubter of this year. Um, and their, their team just seemed not... The, you know the whole PSG thing where you know we have all, all these big players and they don't quite gel. It yeah. just felt to me that this same thing. That I mean, I'm still baffled the reason why they hired Roberto Martinez. I think that's been that one of the ultimate downfalls is hiring. You know, they had a bad manager in the first place. The one that was before Martinez, I forgot his name, but they replaced him with Martinez. I just think that you know that was a bad move in my opinion. Um, now, Jonathan, you're next on this list. So give me your tenth and then your ninth on this list. I'm going to agree with Naeem. I also have South Korea, Germany from the 2018 World Cup. And actually, I'll say I'm just going to do in this list um, World Cup games on this ranking since 2010. Uh, not extremely educated and and uh, don't really remember too much before then. So I'm going to stick it within the last decade or so and uh, go from there. And of course, you know, I had to find a way to put the United States on this list, but we'll get to that later. Um, so I'm going to start off with South Korea versus Germany. I mean, 2-0 to take out the defending champions. Um, I mean, it was the Sun Show and to score those late, late goals in 2018 and just to get them out of the group stages before they even got to the knockouts uh, was huge. I, I couldn't believe it at the time. I mean, you know, Joachim Lowe's time as the head coach of the national team in Germany was coming to an end. Uh, but to have such a poor performance in 2018, you felt that this was his last World Cup. They weren't playing great at the time, but you felt that they would at least get to the knockout stages and to lose in this way to South Korea. Um, it was pretty memorable. And so that for my ninth, it's also going to be something quite memorable. This is one of the earliest World Cup games that I can remember watching. It was Uruguay, Italy in 2014, and it was just that Luis Suarez bite um, on Chiellini. Just went into the penalty box. I think ball was on the left-hand side of the pitch, and and he just bit him. And Chiellini was pulling his shirt down to his side, trying to show the bite mark. And um, you know, he, he, Suarez didn't even get a red card. Uruguay ended up winning that game. They won one nil. 
Uh, Diego Godin had the winner in the 81st minute. I think an Italian player even got a red card too. So it was, you know, not the greatest game on the pitch wise, but memorably it's, it's one that most football fans will not forget in their lifetime. And just for that reason, I'll put it as number nine on the list. Yeah, I mean, I genuinely think if Luis Suarez handed the things down on the pitch, you look at the, the bites occasions and also the, the incident involving Patrice Everett, I do genuinely think he'd be seen as maybe much higher. It is a but people look back in people's careers over the best strikers or the best players of a certain generation. I think Suarez on paper is, but I think he'd be, I think he'd be regarded a lot higher if he'd been nicer on the pitch. <laughs> I do think yeah. that people would have viewed him. I think people would genuinely see him as maybe top three or four strikers in the world ever, maybe some people might argue, but I think he personally, I think that has probably tarnished his reputation. People obviously remember him for being a good player, but everyone who knows football, everyone will remember him for the bites and for the, for the alleged racism as well. So it's, um, yeah, it really is, um, yes, yeah, it's, it's quite shocking. Some of the stuff he's done on the pitch. Uh, Ryan, we're on to you now. You're our final person on this list. So um, give me your 10 and give me your nine. All right. Number 10, I think it's already been mentioned, but I went for Belgium against Japan uh, simply because it was a it was a massive shock to see Belgium go out at the time. Um, sorry, did they actually go out? Uh, the Belgium... They won, didn't they? 3-2. Yeah. Didn't yeah. read the bottom bit. <laughs> like, edit, yeah, to edit that bit out. I still put yeah. that game there, but um, I'll go again. Yeah, um, we'll, we'll start again. I'll just go back to start when I introduce you again. Sweet. Uh, oh, and now on to Ryan. Of course, you are final person on this list. Um, so give me your 10 and give me your nine. Okay, so number 10, I went with Belgium against Japan. Obviously, I think it was mentioned in someone else's list a minute ago, but just for the sheer drama of it and the fact that Japan was such big underdogs to go 2 0 up. And then, obviously, to be beaten 3-2 uh, when they're in stoppage time was was mad. And for me, uh, it was it, it, it was a mad game, obviously, quite recent as well. Most of my games, I've gone for games like Noyim said that I've watched and that I can remember. Though I have picked some that I just, just can't leave out. So that was my number 10. Uh, number nine for me was France against Argentina, 2018 World Cup. Um remember this quite fondly, uh, probably for naughty reasons on my behalf, but um, I won't get into that anyway. But yeah, watching that in, in a bar in Thailand was crazy. Just French people in there, Argentines in there as well. And obviously it's remembered quite fondly because of Benjamin Pavard's brilliant goal. And obviously we saw the brilliance of Kylian Mbappe in that game as well. So yeah, to have a to have a 4-3 sort of result in any World Cup game is mad, but to have it between such two massive teams, um, yeah, for me, I was more number nine. Yeah, I mean, that was, I, mean, I remember that game as well, watching it with friends, and um, probably not a shock to say, but this, this will be on my list at some point as well. Uh, it was a fantastic game, um, and yeah, that goal from Pavard was spectacular. Um yeah, of course, obviously, this is obviously a game that, you know, France did take the lead for Griezmann. Di Maria Mercado made the 2-1 Argentina. 
Then the Pavel goal happened. Then Mbappe scored two goals within five minutes. It was incredible. And I think, mentioned before about the game where everyone knew who Suarez was, I think this was the tournament and certainly the game where everyone everyone was aware, if we weren't already aware, already aware who he was, this was the game that maybe Mbappe announced himself to the world. Um, and yeah, it, it was really good, really good. And obviously, France won, won the tournament as well. So that makes it even more iconic. Um Talking of winning tournaments, my number eight involves the 2006 winners, Italy, in the semi-final in Germany. Now, this was a 2006 World Cup. Um, I think it's widely seen as one of the best modern-day tournaments, um, one of the best I've ever seen. Um, no real controversy, I don't think. Well, the final's coming up later on. But, um, yeah, also Germany wins this game as a host. Um, game went to extra time, still nil-nil. Uh, still nil-nil after 118 minutes before um, Fabio Grosso and Dal Piero scored two goals in the 119th and 120th minute. Uh, two goals very late on in, 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 in the game. Um, and of course, this was also the game that sparked uh, Fabio Grosso's recreation of the famous um, Tardelli celebration from back in the 82 final, which is obviously back then was a very memorable celebration. And Grosso, of course, everyone remembers Grosso was actually not, not meant to even be in a tournament in the first place. He only came in due to an injury to Paolo Maldini. And um, for him to score the goal that got him to the final uh, before Del Piero scored the second goal uh, and to recreate that famous celebration from Tardelli um, was really I think really iconic and I think it was just a um, really really good game I think also I was still 10 11 at the time when this game was on and from what I remember it was still a good nil nil so Germany it's the 2006 makes my number eight now next up we're heading back to Naeem uh, Naeem what is eighth on your list so my number eight on my pick is one, obviously, what Ryan had at number nine. So, yeah, it's France versus Argentina. Uh, obviously, before the game started, obviously, people were saying, so it's Mbappe versus Messi and who's going to come out on top. Obviously, Mbappe did. We've been involved with, obviously, three of France's four goals. You know, it was, just a, it was a great, it was a good game of football, really. You know, it had two wonder strikes, obviously, first one coming from Di Maria when he, like, literally hit the ball from about 35 yards out. And then, obviously, that Pavard goal, that's probably one of the b- best goals in the tournament that I've seen. But, yeah, I'll just kind of echo what you um, you two have said on it. You know, it's the first time these two have met in the World Cup since 1978. So, it was, it's always going to be a good game. And, obviously, France came out came out on top uh, with, with Mbappe. Obviously, he had a, he had a great tournament. And... But yeah, that's my number eight pick. Yeah, I think that Pavard goal is definitely one of the most memorable in recent times. But mm. this is comes to my head literally right now. We might as well do a little little poll between all of us. What do you guys feel is the best ever World Cup goal? Um, top of my head, I really can't think of one. Um, I need to have to find just research on this. But um, I think there are a lot of good goals in that 2006 tournament. Look at that opening game between Costa Rica and Germany. There was a great goal from Philip Lahm. Um, but that is definitely one we could maybe could do on on another podcast. Um, but I think that's interesting. The best ever World Cup goal, Maradona. Think, ah, yeah. To yeah. That, mouth, that is, I think that's probably the best goal I've ever, I've ever seen. That Jenny is. I mean, obviously, it's before my time. I wasn't alive when that goal happened. But I think in that game itself was excellent in itself. You had the controversial hand of God, but also the the. the for me, I I don't I don't think this is probably the best goal I've ever seen in my life. Um, it was an incredible goal, um, and honestly, Messi scored a very similar one as well, which um, 
again made everyone I think everyone aware of he, who he was as well. So um, yeah, that was an amazing goal. Um, Jonathan, what is number what is number eight for you? Number eight for me is going to be a little different. Um, I'm going to go with Russia versus Spain in the round of 16 in the 2018 World Cup. Um, it was only 1-1. There was an own goal. There was a penalty scored. Um, but I think of just the fact that Russia was able to win um, in their home country. You know, who knows if <laughs> it's if there's their last game they'll play in the national stage for some time. It looks like it is. But, um, you know, at the time, and I just remember the Peter Drury comment, commentary after that said, um, crank up the music, charge a glass, this nation is going to dance all night when when the goalkeeper, I forget his name, from Russia, saved that penalty and they won 4-3 on pens. Uh, but just for this team to get to the quarterfinals was seemingly unheard of. Um, it's got some other significance because, you know, who knows when they'll be back. But I just remember that that commentary from Peter Drury was something special. You know, I still watch it on YouTube every once in a while. It gives me goosebumps. And um, it was a big win for Russia. And to see Spain, you know, a team with, with so much history lose lose to a squad like Russia. You know, you just felt like it's going to take a while for this next generation to come up and, and bring this dynasty back around. Because after that 2014 World Cup, they, you know, they were just never the same. And their performance in 2018 was, you know, similar to Germany. Just just so shocking from such a, you know, worldwide powerhouse. Yeah, I think Spain, I think... You know, I think they they could come back to being good again. You know, they got obviously Pedri. They've got um, I think it's Gavi. You pronounce his name as well. They got some good talent coming through. But I just question whether, you know, the team they had at one of those tournaments. You look at their Xavi, Iniesta, David Villa, Fernando Torres in, in the back in the day. Uh, obviously, people like Sergio Ramos, PK, Puyol, Casillas. I just can't see Spain or any country for that matter producing that array of amazing players. So it's. I think Spain, I think they could win one and off chance. Maybe, you know, the likes of Pedri and Gavi could turn them into contenders again. But I just, for me, question whether Spain are going to ever be back to that level they were at all those years ago. Um, and finally, on to Ryan. What is eighth on your list? Again, I think this one has already been mentioned, but my number eight is Ghana against Uruguay. Uh, mm-hmm. it's 2010 World Cup. Obviously, just Luis Suarez, wouldn't it? You know, he was sent over the attention from that game. Just, just madness. And, uh, yeah, obviously, it's always entertaining to see a penalty shootout, especially at the World Cup, just to see how, you know, people can keep their nerves under such intense, you know, pressure. And for me, yeah, that was, that was a mad game, and one that obviously sticks in the memory quite well. So that was my number eight. Fantastic, fantastic. Now, we're on to seven. Now, I've gone for a few ones before I was born, but most of these are the ones I have picked out before my time. have been games I've been aware of or games I've watched highlights of or games that even my dad has told me about in the past. But this one is one I've simply just found out about in the last week preparing for this podcast, and I feel like I had to go in. Um, I'm sending you back all the way to 1950 on this one. The 1950 World Cup final, but this game was deemed a national tragedy in Brazil, as Uruguay beat Brazil 2-1 in the final. Uh, Brazil were a big favourites in this game, and they were so confident that they had congratulations speeches from uh, local mayor and local politicians, 
But in the end, a guy named Alcides Gigia scored the winner for Uruguay in the 79th minute in front of 200,000 fans at the Maracanã, and it saw a player called Pele break down in tears. Um, so I think this game for me had to go in uh, because I feel like, from, from what I read in my research about these games and this one in particular, it was extraordinary. And I think um, it just—it seems like it was definitely a huge shock at the time and point one no one expected. I could just picture, you know, um, it's just picturing in my head the obviously back there was no seats, so standing seats, standing people standing in their seats, and just how big that stadium is and how many fans could go in that stadium at that time, obviously all mostly following Brazil, to have that compression down in the final in their own stadium, it just sounds like the ultimate drama. So this game for me, that's why I've got this in my top ten and why I've got it number seven. Um now Naeem, which game is in your is in seventh place for you? So number seven pick for me is this is a game uh, that happened in obviously Brazil twenty fourteen. It was uh, the semi-final between Brazil and Germany, which obviously was Brazil's heaviest defeat since 1920. Germany, every time they pretty much attacked, looked like they were going to score. You know, obviously Brazil, they were the host of the tournament. Everyone thought they would, you know, go on and win win, the, win their sixth title. But, you know, before the game, uh, Neymar was obviously got injured in the quarterfinal. And Thiago Silva, he accumulated too many yellow cards. So he, he was suspended and... Looking at the goals that Germany, all seven goals Germany scored, the defending was also atrocious, and you know it did look like they did miss those two key players for Brazil. Uh, obviously, in the manner they they just capitulated because obviously that there, there was what five goals in thirty minutes, and I think in the end, in the second half, I think Germany could have scored more goals, but I think they probably just wanted to keep it. Obviously, it was still disrespectful, but they 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 didn't want to make it double digits, so. I've gone for that for my number seven pick as it was, it pretty much shocked the whole world at the time. Um, obviously, the host losing so badly uh, to, to obviously the eventual World Cup winners that year, Germany. You know, they, they got a consolation goal in the 90th minute, but that, that's all it was. So, yeah, that's my number seven pick. Yeah, that game was certainly a huge shock when it happened. And yeah, similar to what I had at number seven was the. One in 1950 again, um, both times in Brazil Stadium. Both times, I mean, I, I, I remember vividly watching that game in 2014 where you saw the Brazil fans crying in the stadium. It was mm-hmm. probably also deemed a national tragedy, uh, I can imagine, in the papers the next morning. Uh, it was extraordinary, and I think that World Cup, I think, was definitely one of the best, and I think that was definitely one of the moments of that tournament. Um, Jonathan, back to you. Um, what is seventh on your list? Seven for me is going to be Ghana versus Uruguay in, in 2010. I mean, the the goals as well, you know, before extra time were actually unbelievable. Um, you know, this Forlan free kick was stunning. Um, I mean, it was only 1-1. Of course, that Luis Suarez 120th minute red card. And then for Uruguay to actually end up winning um, on penalties was kind of crazy. Um, I mean, even Ghana's goal, Muntari had a goal in the 45th minute, which, you know, the goalkeeper sort of saw it late, but I mean, it was from miles away and it just rocketed right on through. So great goals, great game. Ghana could have been the first African semifinalist in World Cup history at the time. Um, you know, great game and something that 
and you know all of us will remember for quite some time. Yeah, Diego Forlan. I mean, that you look at individual performances in, in a tournament. Diego Forlan's performance in that, in that World Cup was one of the best I've ever seen. Um, I mean, if if, if any of you want to see this, if you um, go on YouTube and type in Diego Forlan. Uh, one of the first things to come up is the World Cup 2010. And if you look at all the goals he scored in that tournament, they're all really good goals. I mean, most of them are from range and even the ones from close range are still, you know, pinpoint accuracy. I mean, there was an amazing goal. I think he was in a group stage. I can't think who was against uh, where he shot from about 30, 40 yards out. And that ball was known for dipping. It just went all over the place. And it just, oh, it was a beautiful goal to watch. And I think... He was spectacular in that tournament. I think that it's, um, yeah, it was really impressive that tournament. I think that, yeah, amazing stuff. Um, Ryan, back to you. Um, sorry, yeah, Ryan, back to you. What is seventh on your list? So it was a little while ago now, but it was a tournament that had its share of drama even before a ball was kicked. If you can remember rightly, the trophy was stolen. Um, a replica was made. And then, <laughs> I know where you're going with this. <laughs> <laughs> the original one was found in uh, in a hedge by a dog. Um, yeah, I mean, it was obviously it was held in England. We had players like Bobby Charlton and Bobby Moore playing in that World Cup. And yeah, we found ourselves up against the mighty West Germany. Uh, obviously, one of the most controversial matches in football. Obviously, you've got the England-Germany rivalry as well. And it was mainly due to what happened in the 101st minute in which Jeff Hurst hit a shot, hit the crossbar, went down just over the line, uh, just on the line, I should say. And uh, the Russian linesman, uh, Baramov, ruled it that it had crossed the line to give England a 3-2 lead. And with time sort of dwindling down, the Germans, they pushed everyone forward and England sealed the win with a break from Jeff Hurst, who smashed the ball in the top corner. And this, of course, can be remembered for that famous bit of commentary you know, they think it's all over. It is now. And, uh, yeah, obviously, although it was about 29 years before I was born, um, it's, uh, it's got to be on my list. Yeah, and it was, you know, it was also the first ever game, the only game where we've seen a player score a half-trick in the World Cup final. Um, you know, Jeff Hurst, many the only player to do that. So it's um, a pretty important game. And obviously, it's, in a way, I still think this game has been a bit, almost been a burden on England since, because there's always been that thing of that pressure of trying to win it again for England. And I think definitely if they hadn't won a World Cup before, maybe there'd been sort of less pressure on the team. But it was, yeah, a, a brilliant. And I think it's one of the most, the most iconic games in England World Cup history. Um, my number six, as we mentioned before, uh, the France-Argentina game 2018. Uh, what a game this was. Um, and everything we were talking about before, really, Echoes with what I'm saying. So I've got France, Argentina as my number six. Um, Naim, back to you. What is your sixth? Number six for me is one that you've mentioned before in your list. It's from the 2014 World Cup. It was in the group stage between Spain and Netherlands. They obviously were the finalists in the 2010 World Cup. And this World Cup, Spain, they obviously continued the trend. Obviously, the winners not getting out of the group stages. And yeah, they famously lost 5 1 to Netherlands, who obviously was 1 0 down with, with Alonso. But yeah, some of the goals in there, obviously, Van Persie scoring uh, probably one of the best headers I've seen in a World Cup with a diving header. Uh, Robin getting two goals, obviously, Van Persie uh, getting a brace. 
But yeah, um, I'll go for that game because obviously it seemed like it was their revenge, obviously from losing the World Cup final to Spain, and yeah, they were they were well beaten in the end by the Netherlands. So yeah, that's that's my number six game for me. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, what a shock that was for me. And I remember watching that game. I think Spain were going to win even more than that. I thought Spain were going to win that game. I thought it was going to be a routine win. And then mm. Robert and Van Persie just decided to turn up and completely erode that. Um, Jonathan, back to you. Uh, what is sixth on your list? Sixth for me is Portugal-Spain in the 2018 World Cup. Ended in a tie 3-3. Oh, yes. This game, I... Sorry to interrupt, Jonathan. I remember this game. I, remember I was working in retail. Um, I remember I took holiday off. So I managed to get most of the World Cup off. But I remember this the first week of the tournament. I remember watched. I, I missed this game at work and I was really gutted I missed it. But carry on. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Yeah, I was one of the lucky ones and was able to watch it live. But I'll, I mean, I'll never forget it. It was, you know, 2018 had that sort of whole thing around it. Could this be Ronaldo's last World Cup? You know, 2022. Will he be? Will he be back? And if he will, will he even be the same player? Um, and against you know such a dominant force like Spain, it was just a big, big group group stage game, and had some unbelievable go- goals. Diego Costa had a brace. Actually, Nacho's Nacho's goal was sort of similar to Bavard's goal against Argentina as well. But I felt like that went super underrated in the tournament. It was a great goal off the left left post. And of course, Ronaldo had a hat trick, and and just that free free kick of him standing there, the camera angle pointing towards him as he just slowly walks walks up and just slots it in um, to the right hand side of the goal. You just you know everyone knows it's going in. Uh, an unbelievable game. Uh, maybe Spain should have deserved the win, but uh, you know just Portugal versus Spain, Ronaldo hat trick, just so many great storylines around it. Just phenomenal. Yeah, that was a truly amazing goal. Um, and Ryan, back to you. Um, which game is on your list at number six? So I've gone with the same as Naeem, Netherlands against Spain. Um, he's already said everything for me, so I don't need to say any more. Fair enough, fair enough. Um, and now on to the top five. And similar theme to you, Ryan. My number five has also been mentioned and everything you mentioned that I wanted to mention. It was England Germany, 1966. Uh, of course, um, not the quite the one that's made our theme tune, but it's um, one of the more, you know, one of the famous famous games in English football history. And then we've talked about it before. Um, yeah, one of the more, you know, two two in normal time, um, and then of course that that famous goal that that probably didn't go in. Um, now back to Naeem. Which game for you is fifth on your list? So my number. Five pick is a game from 2006 with Germany World Cup. It's a round of 16 clash. You know, it's, it's all the likes of Cafu, Roberto Carlos, Vieira, Makaleli, Kaká, Dan, Ronaldinho, Ronaldo, and Henri on the same pitch. Um, although obviously it wasn't a game full of loads of goals, Henri got the only goal of the game from a Zidane cross, and he volleyed it in from inside the six-yard box. But you know, Zidane he put a man of the match performance in. Um, if, if you can go on, you can go on YouTube and just type in Zidane versus France, and it will come up with a compilation of obviously, um, obviously his best moments in the game. And yeah, he pretty much just ran the show for France. He was, I believe, at the time 34 years old as well. So doing that in the World Cup against one of the great Brazil um, sides is no mean feat. And it's, it's one of those one-nil games that wasn't boring. You know, had had the fair share of chances. But um, yeah, I'm gonna go with that for my number five game. 
Joshua lied the amount of talent I was on the pitch in that one game. Yeah, I remember that game for me. I remember that was. I remember the first World Cup I ever watched was 2002, but that was still for me. I was six years old, five. So some games were a bit blue, and I wasn't quite mm. as invested in football as I am now back then. But that was probably the 2006 World Cup was probably the first time I remember watching where I, I remember watching most of the games, and and I start I, back then. I, I think at that point I was starting to really understand football a bit more, and that was the first game I watched where I saw a player have a particular performance that blew me away. Um, apart from obviously the, the Gerard FA Cup final performance just a few weeks before that. But um, <laughs> I think for me, that was in terms of World Cup individual performances at, in, in any game, I don't think I've seen any better than Zidane's in that game. I mean, it was his last tournament, everyone knows that. And it was just an extraordinary performance for him. And he really rolled back the years. And I think, I remember rightly, against Spain as well, um, in the same tournament, he was excellent in that as well, and he, he was just had a brilliant tournament. So it's um, yeah, fair play to Zidane. Um, Jonathan, now we're into your top five. Um, what is fifth on your list? To start off my top five, I'm going to start off with uh, France versus Argentina. France won four three in 2018. You know, we've talked about the Pavard goal, but it was it's just so much more than that. Than Mbappe, two goals in five minutes, um, and, and it was just. For a round of 16 games to have France versus Argentina, a lot of people were saying that who knew if, if Messi was ever going to win another trophy um, with the national team. Of course, he won Copa America, which was great to see. But And then Sergio Aguero scored scored a goal in the 93rd minute. You said, hold on a second. Could, could Messi score some sort of crazy goal in the last minute here and, and, and tie up with France? But, you know, unfortunately did not happen. Still a great game. But I think it's just the fascinating matchup of France, the best team in the world against Argentina. Was this going to be Messi's last opportunity similar to Ronaldo back in 2018? And you're just waiting and waiting for that Messi signature goal and it just never came. Um, but it was just an unbelievable contest. Great game, 4-3, lots of goals. And, and that's what you want from these knockout World Cup games. Definitely, definitely. And one this came actually, you mentioned, mentioned Thierry Henry actually. Um... Of course, we went to Monaco, Frisco. Of course, we actually saw Henri multiple times in that game. He walked past our seat many a time. I'm guessing where he worked was nearby there. So sitting alongside these two being Arsenal fans, it was um, they were certainly giddy little boys, I must, I must say. <laughs> none <laughs> yeah. of that, none of that. <laughs> well, it was. It was like, yeah, it, was no, like it, was. Um, it was like Christmas Day for you two. It really was. It'd be the same for me. If I met any of my idols, it'd be the same thing there. So I... Um, I, think, I think it was like because we weren't expecting it, so it was just mm, yeah, took you, took you back sort of thing. But yeah, this I can kind of say I've met Henri. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, definitely. And I think even even what he was wearing, he just oozed coolness. I must say, he just oozed ultimate drip. He just really did. He just <laughs> he wore a really nice little bit. I think it was burgundy the color, burgundy coat. You know, he had had a very nice shiny bald head. It, it was it was it was really cool. <laughs> so um, yeah. Fair play to Henri. Um, now, the final person who hasn't given their fifth yet is Ryan. So, Ryan, what is fifth on your list? I think another one has already been mentioned. Uh, Germany against Brazil, 7-1. Mm-hmm. It's pure madness, wasn't it, really? Uh, <laughs> again, another one I remember watching also on holiday and just sat there with, you know, a load of other youngsters, you know, getting drunk and watching Brazil get humiliated, really, <laughs> was... Mm. Was absolutely crazy. Um, not a great fan of 
of the German national team. So obviously it was a bit hard to watch at the time. But yeah, it was just they, you know, they just ultimately destroyed them. I, I haven't ever seen a a World Cup game more one-sided. I don't think it, than that than that one was. So for me, yeah, that was my number five. Yeah, I mean, I remember I went to France um, for the Euros in 2016, went to the fan zone. I remember watching the French game with a bunch of French um, fans. I remember watching Poland against Switzerland with Nexif, and there was a few um, Polish fans next to me. But I would have paid good money to be in, in Brazil in, in a room watching that game. Cause I can't imagine what that must have been like, the atmosphere, how things must have quickly changed in, in, in that pub or bar or restaurant, wherever they were showing a game. I would have paid good money to have been in a Brazilian, you know, restaurant when that game was playing. That would have been something else. Um, now we have number four. Now I mentioned before that I've gone for a few games out before my time, and a couple of them I don't actually remember. But this one I've gone for in the top ten after doing some research because it was it was dubbed the game of the century. It was 1970, the semi-final between Italy and West Germany. The game finished four-three. There was a 90th minute equaliser. From Karl Heinz Schnellenegger, who was um, so I start, that sounds awful. I'll start again. That sounds terrible. How do you say that? That's awful. That's a whole. Okay, that is that is how you say it. Oh, is it yeah. okay? Well, I, I feel like I'm not going to say that because I thought that just um sounds worse than it is. I'll start again. <laughs> now we're heading on to our number four now, and uh, I mentioned before that I'd gone for a few games. That I were before my that were before my time, and there's a couple that I don't actually remember. But um, this one, I remember doing my research, and this one was actually dubbed "Game of the Century." Um, now, in this game itself, it was Italy against Germany in the 1970 semi-final, as Italy won 4-3. And there's a 90th minute equaliser from a player for Germany that actually played their club football in Italy. Uh, Franz Beckenbauer played this game with a broken shoulder, as Germany ran out of substitutes. And there was five goals in 17 minutes, including two from Gerd Müller in extra time itself. Um, so, yeah, that's... Obviously, if this game was during my life, lifetime, this may, be number, this may be number one. But for me, purely for the fact that even though it's been deemed... It's been, it was named Game of the Century, even though that was the case, it wasn't. I wasn't alive for it. And that's the reason why it's number four. But what a game that sounds like. That sounds like an incredible game. So... This had to go in somewhere. Italy, Germany, 1970, semi-final, 4-3, number four. Now, Naeem, back to you. Um, what game for you is number four? So this one for number four, it's it wasn't a game that I saw personally because I think at the time I was only eight years old and I hadn't really started properly watching football. So, obviously, going back on it, um, I've gone for the 2002 World Cup final against Germany and Brazil. Uh, the game, obviously, you saw Ronaldo score a brace, uh, which obviously ended up making him win the golden boot of the tournament, and he was named man of the match for the tournament. Obviously, one of his goals, um, you could have said Oliver Kahn could have done better after, obviously, Rivaldo's shot from outside the box. He spilled it, and obviously, Ronaldo just taps it in. Now, after the game, Oliver Kahn did say it was his only mistake in the finals, and he said it was 10 times worse than any mistake he's ever made. Um, and he said, "There's no way I can feel, I can make myself feel any better, or make my, or make my mistake go away." So obviously he was highly critical of that mistake. And yeah, it was just a good. It obviously it was the last World Cup where a South American team has 
won uh, obviously the, the finals. Obviously, all the winners since have been from European nations, and yeah, this, it seemed like it was a good game anyway uh, between two two powerhouses um, in in World Cup history. So yeah, I'm gonna, I've, I've gone for that one for my number four pick. Fair play, fair play. Arno Ronaldo, one of the best players of his generation, without doubt. Um, Jonathan, back to you. Number four. What is on your list? I'm going to go with Belgium-Japan 2018. To have all three goals you know, come in the last 20 minutes for Belgium and just have such a stunning comeback is was, was pretty crazy. It all started with that Vertonghen header in the 69th minute, which was kind of crazy because it was um, – it's not a goal that I've – that you really have ever seen before the goalkeeper sort of got lost. You felt like, Oh, you know, this is sort of looping header. He'll have no problem getting it. And it's almost as if he gave up on it. And, uh, <laughs> and header was that header was pretty funny. And then another goal from Belgium. You're like, wow, they could really do something here. 94th minute. Uh, Japan takes a corner and it's just a counter attack of my dreams i've probably watched it a dozen or so times but i'll quickly run through it just for the audience's sake um courtois he handled the the corner slides it down to de bruyne who streaks down the middle of the pitch i think it goes out to mounier on the right hand side and then um, goes through the legs of lukaku and then chadley finishes it off but it's so clean it's it's so pure and it's just deathly for japan to have it happen in the 94th minute Three goal comeback within the last twenty minutes. Uh, so much fun! I love it. Yeah, I remember watching that game as well. It was a truly exceptional game, and I think most people were probably back in Japan in this game. It really was, even though normally hates Belgium, but I think um, Japan just for the pure underdog story that has been quite incredible, really. Um, and then finally, Ryan, number four. What have you got? I'm not going to pretend that I know this off by heart, so I will read the little intro into this game but the new york post put this game from 1982 between algeria and west germany on the list of the best world cup matches of all time as upsets go this was mammoth um it was wonderful entertainment and gave all the underdogs the encouragement to take the game to the big guns and not to be intimidated by reputations west germany had you know some obviously massive players in their team from that World Cup, but Algeria surprised audiences nine minutes into the second half when uh, Rabaj Magier made the opening goal. Uh, Germany did equalise it in the 67th minute, but Algeria broke the game open just 60 seconds later when national hero uh, Bellumi latched onto a cross after some brilliant lead-up work. Algeria won the game 2-1, arguably, in my opinion, the biggest upset in World Cup history, so that's my number four. Fantastic, nice. I never, I didn't know about that game actually. So, um, yeah, fair play. That's something I have to watch or find out about when I finish this podcast. Um, now, top three, the sort of the Olympic medal podium parts of the podcast. You know, but bronze medal, my one goes to a team that actually won a tournament and a game that has been mentioned previously. It was 2014, the semi-final between Brazil and Germany, as Germany won seven-one. Um, I remember watching this game, seeing the Brazilian team. I mean, the, the Brazilian national anthem is one of the best, I think, in the whole world. And I remember seeing people like David Luiz and I believe it was Julio Cesar in goal at the time. And just seeing them belt out the national anthem with such passion. It felt like their time. It felt like it was they were going to get to the final and it was going to be a 
potential Brazil Argentina final. Um, you know, it felt right. But then what transpired would have won a pure shock. Um, I think, yeah, they really did spoil that party, uh, did Brazil. You know, the goals came from Thomas Muller, most have closer, Sammy Kadira. There was two goals from Tony Cruz and two goals from Andre Schirler. Oscar, Oscar got the consolation goal, but by then, but even by half time, the game was done. And yeah, from everything we've seen before, that's why Brazil, Germany for me, is number three. Um, now, next one, next number three. The next bronze medal is going to be handed out by Naeem. So what is your third place game? My third place pick is the first World Cup final I remember watching. And it's the Germany 2006 final between Italy and France. Mm. So obviously before this game, it was actually Maserati and Zidane's obviously last uh, game for their countries. Obviously before retiring from international football. They were obviously both involved in the scoring. Obviously with Zidane scoring from the penalty spot. And you may remember he obviously penenka it hit the crossbar whenever the line came out, but obviously it was, it was way over the line anyway, so they gave in, and Maserati obviously head, headed in. But obviously the game is obviously infamously known now um, as obviously to Dan famously headbutting Maserati in the chest. And at the time, obviously I'd never seen anything like that before, so it was it was a, it was a shocking really, but... You know, obviously the reasons why he done it, obviously that's that's another story. But yeah, it was just crazy to see, really. And you know, it was near, it was near, near the end of the end of extra time as well. So Zidane was obviously France's captain, and he was their, their their penalty taker as well. So obviously in the end, France lost five three on penalties to Italy, and Italy obviously went on to win, obviously win the World Cup. So I've gone for that one as a number three. Um, obviously the game was all right; it wasn't the greatest of games. Um, it was a bit of a defensive game, but I've gone for a number three because obviously that incident there as well. So that's my number three pick. Fair play, fair play. Uh, Jonathan, what is third on your list? Bronze medal for me is going to go to Netherlands. Spain in 2014 seems to be a common theme. I've got Spain a lot on this list. Um, <laughs> yeah. it's, it seems like almost every 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 uh every game is spanish team anyways um but yeah 5-1 spain scored the first goal was a penalty and then that van Persie goal is unbelievable um to tie that up 1-1 and then after that it wasn't even close it was literally the robin show from then on in and that last goal he had just to cap it all off he took a sweet sweet old time went around the keeper casillas and Patiently could have passed it to his teammate. Nope, he had it all in control and just slotted it into the to the top corner of the net. So, um, you know, really another one of these memorable games for me, but especially that header, which I think is, is one of the top few goals in World Cup history of all time. Um, it's a great game and going to give it the bronze medal. Yeah, fair play there, but I think that's been the first game you've actually mentioned that everyone's mentioned. Yeah. yeah. So it's... Um, yeah, that shows how good a game it was. Um, finally, on to Ryan. What is third on your list? So, third on my list is Germany against Argentina. World Cup final from 2014. Obviously, Mario Goethe scored in extra time to win Germany the World Cup. And although it wasn't, obviously, the greatest of games, just for the sheer drama to score a goal, that late on was just brilliant to see and again it's one that sticks in my memory quite well so um for me i went with that one fair play fair play now 
Number two for me is another game where it's before my time, but this one I knew all about from everything my dad told me. My dad often would sit me down when I was a youngster. He would teach me football history, basically, when I was a kid. And this is one of the games that I was told about early on. It was 1982. It was West Germany 3, France 3 in the 1982 semi-final as France, West Germany, sorry, beat France 5-4 on penalties. Now, the game went to 1-1 after in normal time, but it, there was four goals in extra time before a 5-4 shootout win for sorry, West Germany. But then as the internet is the game's all, all known for. Um, this was obviously involving West Germany goalkeeper Harold Schumacher and French player Patrick Batillon. Um, in this game, Schumacher knocked Batillon unconscious with a foul, which saw him missing teeth uh, with three cracked ribs and damaged vertebrae. And the craziest thing is, not, no foul was even given in this game. So I think just for the infamous moment you've got of the Schumacher foul, which is still talked about today, um, the fact that it was a semi-final, which got West Germany to the final, even though they did lose that game in the end, I believe to Italy, the famous Tardelli goal that I mentioned early on in this podcast. But I think just for the game itself, and then also just the, the crazy extra time, and then the crazy incident involving the keeper, that's what I've got. The 1982 West Germany-France 3-3 game as number two. Um, now, Naeem, which one of your games has just about missed out on number one? So... Obviously, both 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 my games or finals, but my number two pick is the most recent World Cup final uh, between mm. France and Croatia. So, obviously, in the previous World Cup before, it was in the 2014 World Cup, it was obviously one nil, as Ryan mentioned, to to Germany, and after extra time, the one before that was one nil to Spain. Um, that was after extra time, I believe, as well. So, obviously, this this World Cup final obviously was full of goals. You know, it started off with a Mandzukic own goal before Perisic equalised. Then, obviously, Griezmann, he got another penalty in the 36th minute. He's obviously converted that. Mandzukic scored in the second half after, uh, obviously, a blunder from Lloris. You know, he can be a bit dodgy at times. And then, to obviously settle off the scoring was Pogba and Mbappe. Obviously, Pogba scoring from outside the box. And then Mbappe, obviously, showing, showing what was made off in the World Cup final, I think. At the time, he he was the youngest world um, youngest player to score in the World Cup final, I believe. So yeah, it was it was yeah, it was just a great game, really. You know, um, obviously, but both teams had their had their fair share of chances. You know, this was obviously Croatia's first ever World Cup final, and you know their their first this this was obviously their first appearance was in '98. So, and obviously in that tournament they finished third. So they obviously finished runners up in this tournament and. You know, they, they had a good tournament, to be fair, so they can be proud of themselves. But obviously, France, in the end, they just had too much quality in the end. And, yeah, they went on to win their second World Cup. So that's my number two pick. Yeah. Um, I remember I watched this game just when I was thinking about Kegums. This game was another one I almost made in. And I watched the highlights of this game just for nostalgia. And if, if you watch the first goal, I'm actually watching it again now just to remind myself. The first goal was obviously with the own goal. And Griezmann takes a free kick in. Uh, it looks like someone's taken. So it looks like either Varane or someone's got touch. But Griezmann's running around like he scored the goal. If you, if you, <laughs> if, if you're listening or you're one of you guys listening right now, um, if you take take a look back at this goal, because I mean, Griezmann's got no right to celebrate as if he'd scored the goal. I mean, it wasn't as if there was no touch. It, there was definitely a touch of someone. So I, it's just beyond me why he thinks he can just celebrate like that and act like he's just scored 
the opening goal of the tournament. Uh, but that game as well, I remember Pogba scored an amazing goal for um, in that game. I think it was, um, I can't think what minute it was, but it was an incredible, really incredible goal for him. And I think that it is amazing for me how different he is um, for France and he is for Man U. And I think it really is astounding how, how much difference there is between the two. Um, Jonathan, now, which game for you is number two? My silver medal, I think, is another game that almost everyone has in this group. Uh, it's going to be Brazil-Germany 2014 World Cup 7-1. Uh, just remember at the time, I mean, they didn't have Neymar, they didn't have Silva, but you still felt in Brazil, it's Brazil's World Cup. It almost felt like destiny that they, they were still going to win the whole thing. Um, and really, in my notes here, all I just have is David Luiz, LOL. Uh, that's pretty much all I've got. <laughs> Um, I'm sort of a noted Louise uh, hater, some would say. Um, but yeah, he wasn't his best performance, wasn't anyone on his team's uh, best performance. But 7 1, and um, as a fan of, of Germany and Bundesliga, and, and with some German background myself, it was a, it was a big game for me. Um, I remember it very well. And yeah, it's, it's craziness. Yeah, and I think for me, David Luiz um, has always been someone I thought was, you know, everyone loved him at Chelsea when he was scoring those goals from long range or just scoring goals in general. And I think that I always had this debate with friends that he was nowhere near as good as everyone thought he was. This is like back in 2011-12. And I remember when Chelsea bought Gary Cahill, I remember saying to people that he was better than David Luiz and people were like, what? what? He's this guy from Bolton. And I think Gary Cahill's proved to me why he's better because he, he was actual proper defender. He was just a actually knew how to defend and he did what he was meant to do. I think David Luiz to me has always been throughout his career someone that has been prone to errors. He's just been a, a catastrophe, catastrophe waiting to happen. He really has been. So David Luiz to me um, never really got the hype and now he's playing in Brazil. I think now he's playing in Brazil. So um, I think he's definitely at the end of his career and I'm sure Ryan and Naeem won't have my first say about him either. <laughs> um, <laughs> talking to Ryan, what is your number two? So I've gone for a game that's slightly been mentioned already, but it's Argentina against England in that game, obviously, which we saw the, the hand of God from Diego Maradona, the arguably the greatest World Cup goal we've ever seen from the same player. And yeah, for me, there's, there's not many bigger World Cup games for me arguably it's probably the biggest game but it's just not number one for me um, simply because I wasn't around then to watch it but yeah it was just unbelievable stuff Yeah I mean that game had everything I mean it's had the, the most controversial World Cup goal and the, and the best ever World Cup goal in one game um, but now we are heading to number one the moment of truth for all of us in our top ten list what game have we all picked on number one? So, myself, I've gone for a game that hasn't been mentioned before. I've gone for the 2006 World Cup final between France and Italy. This game had everything for me. I mean, the fact that both regular goals, both goals in regular time came from the two players that were involved in the most controversial moment in football history, in the Matarazzi and Zidane incident, I think, makes all good. I mean, uh, the fact that, you know, Zidane had the audacity to take that um, Penenko in the first place in a World Cup final and do it with such ease and composure spectacular in itself um, and then obviously Matarati got the header in the, in the same half but of course we all know what happened in extra time with the headbutt 
Um, for me, I think it was um, absolutely shocking. I think th- the shock factor from that is nothing else has really beat, has beaten that really for shock factor in a World Cup final or in any any football game for that matter, with the exception of maybe the Suarez biting. Um, and of course, there's that, there's that poignant moment where he gets the red card, he's walking off the pitch, and there's that image of him. I don't know whether he's touching the World Cup or just walking past it, but he's walking past the World Cup trophy. You know, his last game of his career, of course, he had such a great career as a player and later on as a manager. Um, so for his career to end like that was was quite quite shocking, really. And to see him walking down the tunnel with everyone knowing we weren't going to see him play football again professionally uh, was quite something else. And then, of course, um, Italy went on to win on penalties. Um, Trezeguet, you know, he scored the golden goal in the Euro 2000 final, but he was the guy who missed a penalty in the thing. And I mentioned Grosso before, of course, he was a guy who came in because of a Maldini injury, scored the goal and got him to the final and then scored the winning penalty. So he had a very key part in this tournament considering he never even was meant to be in the squad in the first place. So I think for that as well, as well as the fact that it was that moment, that's a down headbutt for me and also it was a good game anyway. Um, I think that's why I've got that as my number one. Uh, Naeem, now what have you got as your number one? So before I announce my number one, I just want it's it's not it's not World Cup related. It's actually Women's Champions League. Um, so earlier today, obviously Barcelona were taking on Real Madrid women, and they actually uh, yes. yeah they yes. set a world record for you know the most obviously the, the highest attendance at a women's football match was which is now ninety one thousand five hundred fifty three. So yeah, just want to say congratulations to that because yeah, that's just quite quite a good turnout for for a women's football game so yeah but yeah uh, going back to my number one pick uh, it's a game that one of you guys have actually already mentioned it's obviously it was way before my time so obviously I, I remember learning about it in primary school so got a bit of knowledge on that um, obviously lead, things leading up to the game and everything like that so my one is England versus West Germany in the 1966 World Cup final which is obviously was played at Wembley Stadium as a tournament was in England. Obviously, there was a bit of controversy, as Ryan had mentioned, uh, for one of Jeff Hurst's goals. He obviously scored a hat-trick in the game. It was obviously whether he did go over the line or not. And obviously, this is still England's only ever World Cup win. And you know, it, was, it, was a, it was the last time they was at a final. So, yeah. I'm going to go over that one for my number one pick because uh, obviously the significance because um, it was on home toil as well. Obviously the rivalry between the Germans and yeah, scoring all those goals in extra time it was good as well and it seemed like a good game as well when I w- watched it back anyway. So yeah, that's my number one pick for me. Yeah, just going back to your announcement about obviously the Barcelona Madrid game, I think for me it's really good to see because I think first of all there's been this I think there's been a really good movement in terms of football. There's been a, more money put into the women's games, especially from the, the British point of view as well with the British game. And I think it's really good to see that, you know, these people are finally getting recognition that they deserve. Because these, you know, I'd be up, I've been to a few women's games and these watching them on real life, they're, they're so good. And they're, 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 it's just, it's a real shame that they don't get the credit they deserve. So I think this hopefully for me will signify, you know, to have to have 91,000 fans at a women's game is is really good to see. Um, so I think hopefully this is a step on the right track to getting more quality when it comes to the women's game. And they were actually treated a very good game looking at the score. Um, it finished 5-2 to Barcelona, which meant 8-3 on aggregate. Um, so yeah, 
and I was, just, I was just look, look quickly, quickly looking at their league form as well. So they've played 25 games so far this season. They've won 25. Uh, they've obviously got 75 points out of that. Their second place team is Real Sociedad Women, who won 56 points. And uh, their record in 25 games, they've scored 138 goals and only conceded seven goals. So they've won all their matches in the league. And they won all their, they've won all their Champions League games so far as well. So... Uh, I reckon they'll probably be hot favourites, either them or Leon to probably win the whole tournament. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, their, their women's teams are pretty, pretty good to be fair. So yeah, that's that's, that's pretty good right there. Definitely, definitely. Um, Jonathan, now what is your number one? And I think you did allude to this earlier. On. I think I know which game you're going to say here, but what is your number one? Well, I think 99% of the people um, who watch football in the world would not have this as their number one. Um, <laughs> But I have to put an American game as my number one just for what it means to not only me, but to the country as a whole, who are pretty terrible at football usually. Um, well, European football, the real football. Um, <laughs> but I'm, I could have gone with the 2014. It was a great game against uh, Ghana from the USA, and John Brooks had that 86 oh. winner, which was pure madness in America to him to come on like that and score. Um, but I'm going to, I'm going to say as my gold medal pick is, is USA versus Algeria in 2010, you know, leading up to this game, the U S um, tied with England, which was a big tie for us we tied with Slovenia and we couldn't tie against Algeria. We had to get all three points um, a tie wouldn't have put us through to the knockout stages. So we needed a win, several opportunities throughout the game uh, for both sides. And then Algeria had a chance sort of in the 90th minute there. Um, looked like they were going to score. Tim Howard took it in and sort of started a little counter mini counterattack. Um, Dempsey was involved. Jose Altador was involved. Uh, the goalkeeper sort of fumbled it. And then, of course, possibly the greatest you know soccer football player in American history, Landon Donovan, put it home in the 91st minute to not only send the United States to the knockout stages, but to top the group and to top England. Um, and to do that for America, to score the latest goal in, in the country's history, the 91st minute, um, and quite possibly the biggest goal in American history, to top England, all of it combined together, um, was magical. It was the earliest game I can remember watching, um, and it's just unbelievable for a country that is known to to play a sport with the same name um and it's completely different and to do this and to to top england and and to top all these other countries as well and the way that they did was extremely special that gives me goosebumps every time and and that's my gold medal pick yeah and of course usa could even qualify i believe it's tonight they could qualify as long as they don't lose six nil um I saw the Pulisic hat-trick as well. Um, so in terms of your thoughts, obviously Canada are also making the World Cup. Um, but in terms of your thoughts, Jonathan, on the state of football in, in America, do you think that this tournament we saw at Liza 2014 really helped build the football, the sports profile in the country? Do you think that having players like Pulisic, the other players that you've got, you know, young talent coming through with in America, um, do you think that this tournament can really help further build the sports uh, role in and sort of popularity in, in the country it's going to be a, a huge tournament i'm i'm hoping and i'm pretty sure we'll get in we just you know need to not lose by at least five goals tonight but 
Um, yeah, it's it's going to be massive. It's even more important because of what happened in 2018 to lose to Trinidad and Tobago, a country I had never even heard of in the first place. Um, it's not even getting to the World Cup was a huge blow. And now in 2022, we're going to get in. It's it's going to be um, extremely imperative to to actually do well. Um, also, American families are starting to realize that they need to send their kids over to Europe if they want them to have success professionally. You know, you see it with Reyna, Pulisic, you know, all these players coming up, Serginio Dest. Um, there's really starting to be an American wave in Champions League play, which is great to see. But I think that's going to be the key is to see America on the world stage. Yes, we can not only get there, but we can actually, you know, put up a fair fight and, I think American football, soccer is is getting there. But I think the key is is that American families realize that if they have a, a kid that's an amazing footballer, you know, they can't just have them grow up through the ranks at Atlanta United or one of these MLS, you know, youth systems. They need to send them to England or, or you know, Bundesliga has been so good for American prospects. Mm-hmm. So I think that is really the key in order for the growth of American football to reach its full potential. And I think definitely hosting the tournament, you know, the next one as well, will really help that as well. But of course, one goal I did love actually for America was for is that with the Jermaine Jones goal against Portugal. I mean, yes, yes. that was exceptional. Absolutely. That was a great goal. Um, I mean, you know, we don't have too many moments like that. So uh, it's pretty easy to <laughs> say a couple of them. And, and yeah, hopefully, hopefully we get some this year in 2022. Yeah, fingers crossed. Um, and then finally, Ryan, you're the final person to give a number one. So what is your number one World Cup game of all time? 2006 World Cup final, Italy against France. I think that's the first, one of the very first World Cup games I actually remember watching. And yeah, it was, I mean, I believe you had it as your number one as well, Andy. Yeah. Yeah, it was just unreal ones that just... The drama, um, obviously everything that happened with Zidane was just madness, really. And obviously I remember it so fondly, obviously Italy lifting it in. The aftermath that we saw in France, you know, obviously with Zidane and and whatnot. But, um, yeah, I do recommend watching the the France World Cup documentary on Netflix if you get a chance. Um, you know, that's a very interesting watch. That sort of goes into a little bit of depth. You know what, what what it was like for him and for France as a nation after that World Cup, but yeah, it was just incredible. And uh, for me, that's my number one. Fantastic. Um, well, we mentioned the World Cup. We you know was happening, um, and also we had a big sort of week or two of you know, World Cup qualifiers. You know, we saw like some Macedonia knockout, Italy, some big shocks there. Now I'm going to give you this. An amazing array of players that actually just this week alone have been knocked out of World Cup contention. Um, Arturo Vidal, Mohamed Salah, Marco Verratti, um, David Alaba, Luis Diaz, Riyad Mahrez and Zlatan Ibrahimovic. I mean, that's just in the last week. That is an incredible amount of players that aren't going to be playing. Um, but then again, if Salah had one game, we'd, we'd see Marley on his list. So um, it's not... Yeah, there's always bound to be players that you know, missed out. And it's a shame that these players... I mean, I love Verratti, and it's a shame that he's not going to be there. Obviously, Salah, it's a good thing for Liverpool, in a way, because, I mean, we were get, getting pressed for the rest of the season. So, yeah, some swings and roundabouts. Um, 
But before we do go, I'm going to recap everyone, our top 10 lists. So I had France, Italy, number one from 2006. My number two was West Germany against France in 1982. Number three was Brazil, 7-1 loss to Germany. My number four was the 1970 semi-final win for Italy against West Germany. Uh, number five was the 1966 World Cup final between England and Germany. Number six was the France-Argentina 2018 final. Uh, my number seven was the 1950 final between Uruguay and Brazil. My number eight was when Germany lost 2-0 to Italy in the 2006 semi-final. And then my number nine was Uruguay and Ghana's 1-1 draw, which featured the famous Suarez handball. And then finally, number 10 was Holland beating Spain 5-1 in 2014. Now, Naive's number t- top 10 list, uh, his 10th was South Korea beating Japan, no, South Korea beating Germany 2-0. His 9th was Belgium beating Japan 3-2. His 8th was seeing France beat Argentina 4-3 in 2018. His number seven was Brazil losing 7-1 to Germany in 2014. His number six was also 2014. It was Holland beating Spain 5-1. His number five was 2006 as Brazil, uh, as France beat Brazil uh, was a Zidane masterclass. Number four was from 2002 as Brazil beat Germany 2-0 in a final with a double from Ronaldo. Number three was the 2006 final between um, France and Italy, the famous Zidane game. Number two saw France beat Croatia 4-2 in the World Cup final in 2018. And then finally, his number one was the England-West Germany 1966 final. Now, Jonathan's top 10, uh, his 10th game was also South Korea-Germany. Number nine was the famous Suarez bike game as Uruguay beat Italy 1-0. Number eight was when Russia beat Spain on penalties in the round of 16 in 2018. His number seven was the 2010 Ghana-Uruguay Suarez game. Number six was the Portugal-Spain 3-3 in 2018 in the group stage. His number five was the France-Argentina 4-3 in 2018. His number four was Belgium-Japan in 2018, the 3-2. His third place game was Holland uh, beating Spain 5-1 in 2014. His number two was the same tournament as Germany beat Brazil 7-1. And his number one was USA beating Algeria in 2010 to top the group ahead of England. Now, Ryan's top ten. Saw Belgium, Japan in number 10, France, Argentina from 2018 in number 9, the Ghana Uruguay 2010 game in number 8, the England West Germany 1966 final in number 7, the Spain Holland uh, 19, no, 2014 5 1 win for Holland uh, in 6, number 5 was Germany 7 1 win over Brazil, number 4 was the 1982 shock win for Algeria over West Germany. His number three was as Germany beat Argentina 1-0 in the 2014 final, thanks to Mario Goetze. His number two saw Argentina beat England 2-1 with the famous Maradona hand of God and also amazing goal. And his number one, just like mine, was also Italy against France in the the 2006 World Cup final. Now, this has been the podcast for this week. I hope you enjoyed our slightly different podcast to normal, Uh, but we'll, we'll, we'll be back next week for more domestic reviews as we see club football get back as we now reach the crunch time of the season all the leagues or most of the leagues in European football have some sort of title race left and we will bring you the action as it comes in so I have I have been your host Andy this has been Jonathan this has been Ryan this has been Naeem and we will see you next week see you later